You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 107, please. Psalm 107 is good to be in church on Sunday morning. Thank you for being here, and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do, and uh, appreciate everybody participating and dressing up. I did have a couple Pharisees in my class that didn't, and they sat back there and snickered at me while I was standing in front of them, but everybody else participated. Thank you for doing that. I got an excuse to carry my pocket knife today. I was excited about that. I had a guy a few, uh, a few years ago, he's passed away here recently, but when Donald Trump got elected... He got me a commemorative Donald Trump Make America Great Again pocket knife. And I thought about this. That's pretty good size. Uh, Brother Poussin always, well, I don't say it on, but anyway, he's packing whenever we go out. Maybe I should carry this when we go soul winning now. That'll tick them off before we cut them. That'll be a blessing. All right, Psalm 107. We're going to read verse number two this morning. I want God to speak to our heart here in Psalm 107, verse number two. If you're able to stand with me, why don't you stand? It's just one verse of scripture, and we'll get right into the thought for today. Psalm 107, verse number two. Look what the Bible says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If you study this chapter, the entirety of it, basically it's a chapter of God delivering his people. Not just delivering, but over and over again, delivering them continually. They were hungry and he fed them. They were in distress and he delivered them. They were in a battle and he fought for them just over and over again. God came through and did what God does. He delivered his people. It's sort of summed up, though, in the statement of verse number two, where the psalmist writes it and said, if you've been delivered, if you've been brought out, if you've lost something and had it restored to you, if you've been redeemed, you got to tell it. You got to talk about it. You got to testify of it. You got to say so. Isn't it amazing what Christians will waste their time talking about? I mean, they'll run their mouth about a lot of things. But the Bible says if you're going to talk about something, testify of something, brag on something, that'll be the fact that you've been redeemed. For a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought. Let me just say so for a second. Let me just say so for a second. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. I need your power, and I pray for liberty here. I pray that you'd meet with us. If, no, if someone's here who's never been saved, they don't know you as their Savior, I pray they'd be born again today. For Christians, I pray that you'd help us to be quick to say so about our redemption in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Redemption is one of the most foundational concepts of the Bible. Also, redemption is a fundamental doctrine of Christianity. It's a bedrock truth. It's a big truth. And if you're saved, it's a blessed truth. I was studying and read, one man said, redemption is the spring from which all the rivers of grace flow. Job was in the midst of a trial, and he made that famous statement about redemption. He said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Now, in regards to our salvation, the concept of redemption is comprehensive. By that, I mean it, it covers the entire spectrum of every aspect of what goes into God saving the soul of a sinner. In fact, if you study your Bible, you could really sum up the Bible in just two words, and those two words could be ruin and redemption. If you take it in from Genesis to Revelation, the message of the Scripture is the message of redemption. Just survey it, and you'll find that the Bible always runs from chaos to order. 
It runs from darkness to light. It runs from sin to salvation. It runs from bondage to liberty. It runs from law to grace. It is redemption through and through. In fact, redemption would be that golden thread that holds the Bible together. For the Christian, we can sing the hymn, and it can be our personal testimony that says, Ere since by faith I saw the stream, his flowing wounds supply redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Redemption's a truth that takes shape in the very first book of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, God reveals to Abraham that there would be a day when God's people would be taken into bondage. But God would not leave them in bondage. God would bring them out. God would redeem them out of that bondage. In Exodus 6, 6 is the first mention of that word redeem. There the Bible said, God speaking, I will rid you out of their bondage and I'll redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I was studying and I looked it up in the Webster's 1828 dictionary and he defined redeem or redemption as the act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by the payment of an equivalent ransom as the redemption of prisoners taken in war, deliverance from bondage or distress. Now, in Exodus and Leviticus, God laid out the Old Testament plan of redemption. The process of redemption is provided for several individuals. For example, the process of redemption was provided for those sold into slavery. It was provided for those who had an unsettled debt that they could not pay. It was provided for those who had been killed by the hand of another. And it was provided for those who had been widowed and had lost their spouse. So the act of the Redeemer was to get back everything that was lost by the one in need of redemption. Let me say it again. The act of the Redeemer was to get back everything that was lost by the one in need of redemption. So in slavery, the Redeemer could get back the liberty that had been lost by the one that had been enslaved. In debt, the Redeemer could get back the loss of that one who had everything taken away. In the case of murder, that Redeemer could avenge the life of the one who had been murdered. In the case of the widow, that Redeemer could restore that family bond that had been broken by death. I think we can say it like this. Redemption was a wonderful thing. In the Old Testament, it gave hope. It offered mercy and it extended grace. And I think it was probably worth saying something about. If you had been a slave that had been set free, you'd probably talk about it. If you'd had a debt and somebody had paid your debt, you'd probably want to talk about that. If somebody had been murdered and somebody avenged the death of your loved one, you'd probably want to brag about that. If you'd been widowed and then somebody put their name on your life, and got you back in the family, you'd probably want to talk about that. Redemption repaid, redemption restored, redemption rewarded, and redemption would recompense. It was redemption that got Isaac off the altar. It was redemption that got Israel out of Egypt. It was redemption that got Ruth back in the family. It was redemption that took Naomi from empty to being blessed beyond measure. You better believe Isaac would have talked about it. I believe Ruth 
probably talked about it. I would say Naomi was quick to talk about it. God would redeem individuals. God would redeem nations. God would redeem assets. And in the Old Testament, it was God's promise and God's program for getting back that which was lost. Can I say it like this? It was a great thing in the Old Testament, but it can't compare to the act of redemption that we find in the New Testament. It was a wonderful truth back then, but it's a hundred times greater for you and I living today. Here in Psalm 107, we find a song about the faithfulness of God to deliver his people. In this song, we don't just have a record of God delivering his people, singular, but God continually, repeatedly delivering his people. Now, if you're today looking for a reason to complain about God, I'll say it like this. You'll not find any ground to grumble about God when it comes to his ability to deliver his people. Because you study it out and you find over and over again, again and again, God is faithful to deliver his people. God always shows up. God always shows out. God always shows off. God always does what God does and delivers his people. You read the psalm. They were in a battle and God for them. They fell and God picked them back up. They were hungry and God fed them. They were in distress and God delivered them. Over and over he was, he is, and yet abideth faithful to deliver his people. In the second verse of the chapter we find the theme summed up just in that statement. I like to call this a sentence sermon. By that I mean we don't have to have other scriptures to even support the content of this scripture. It stands all by itself. Now in this verse, the songwriter lays out the responsibility and what ought to be the response of an individual that has been delivered by the hand of God. In verse number two, look at what it says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now, I like the word redemption, and I like the phrase say so, because basically the thought is this. If you've been brought out or bought back, if you've been delivered, then it's probably worth talking about. That phrase say so means to testify. That word say so means to rejoice over it. That word say so means you ought to get happy about it. In modern terms, you might say it means to say amen. It means to say tell it. It means to say say on. It's like the psalmist is saying this. If you're reading this song and you fit the description of someone who is in a battle or someone who is in a storm or someone who is destitute or someone who is afflicted and God showed up and brought you out of whatever that dilemma was, you ought to clear off some real estate, call time out and shout over the fact that you have been redeemed. I think I'd say it like this. If you were granted victory over an adversary, he's saying, say so. If you were a slave and now you're free, you ought to say so. If you were hungry and now you're filled, you ought to say so. If you're afflicted and now you've been healed, you ought to say so. If you were down and he brought you out, then you ought to say so. If God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself, you ought to take some time, tell the world, and say so about your redemption. 
Redemptions for those who couldn't do it on their own. Redemptions for those who couldn't pay it. Redemptions for those who couldn't unlock the key, or rather the lock that held them in bondage. Redemption was for those who couldn't secure their own liberty. And the psalmist is a reminder that you ought to shout over the fact that if God did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. He said, if you were brought out of bondage, you ought to tell the world God brought you out of bondage. If you were in need and God met it, you ought to tell the world God met your need. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think about that song, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. I said earlier, redemption's a wonderful thing in the Old Testament, but I'll say it again, it's much better in the New Testament. I'm glad redemption didn't stop with Malachi and it didn't end with Egypt and it didn't run out with Ruth, but I'm glad every act of redemption in the Old Testament is just a type that we find fulfilled by one great act in the New Testament. It was good in the Old, but it's a hundred times greater in the New. Now, if the Old Testament Israelites had reason to say so over their redemption, I think probably a New Testament born-again child of God has reason to say so today over our redemption. Redemption. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I sing, I think of him all the day long. I sing because I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I am redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. So today, if you've been saved, if you've been brought out, if you've been delivered, if you were bought, if you paid your ransom, you ought not be quick to be silent, but you'll be quick to shout over the fact that you've been redeemed. The price has been paid and you've been delivered. Just like in Psalm 107, we had an adversary, but he gave us the victory. We were in a battle, but he gave us the victory. We were down, but he got us up. We were out, but he got us in, and we have a redemption. Like Naomi, we were broken. Like Ruth, we were cast away. Like Israel, we were slaves. Like Isaac, we were headed for judgment. Like Esau, we'd forfeited our inheritance, but thank God for our redemption. Not might not be a rich person, but if you're redeemed, you got something to say about it. You might not be renowned, but if you're redeemed, you got to say something about it. We ought to be able to say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's amazing what saved people will waste their time talking about. They don't hesitate or hold their tongue to say so about most things in life. They'll say so about their kids. They'll say so about their sports. They'll say so about their job. They'll say so about their hobby. They'll say so about their church. They'll say so about their pastor. They'll say so about the weather. They'll say so about the restaurant. They'll say so about politics. They'll say so about gas prices. They'll say so about COVID. Even saved people. I mean, you listen to their testimony, and it sounds more like the bad side effects of some miracle drug on daytime television than it does someone who's saved on their way to heaven. They talk about their arthritis and gingivitis and bursitis and all these other itises. But when's the last time somebody stood up and said, I just want to say it's good to be saved. I'm glad I'm redeemed. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I just want to say so for a second. Let me just talk about redemption quickly and we through. Three, three aspects of redemption. Number one, I have been redeemed. I don't work for my salvation. I don't have to secure my salvation. It is done. The great transaction is done. I am my Lord, Lord's and he is mine. 
1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Romans 3.24, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Colossians 1.14, In whom we have, it's a current possession whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins here's probably the greatest verse 1 Peter 1.18 for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received from the tradition of your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ creation was a good work but salvation is the greater work creation cost God his breath salvation cost God his blood you studied out from Genesis to the millennial kingdom, blood is the price for access to God. You and I as Christians today, when we were lost in sin, we fit every type of the Old Testament individual that needed redemption. We were out of the family. We were in bondage. We had a debt we could not pay. But Jesus Christ fulfills every Old Testament type of the Old Testament Redeemer. And He came and got us out of our bondage. And He paid our debt. And He set us free. He shed His blood in Exodus 12. There's blood everywhere to get them out of Egypt. But can I say better blood was shed for us when Jesus died on Calvary. Blood that goes deeper than the stain of sin. And the only reason I'm not going to hell today and the only reason you'll not go to hell one day is because the blood was shed to pay your sin debt in mine. I owed a debt, but his blood paid it in full. I lost my inheritance, but his blood got it back. I was a slave, but his blood set me free. I was out of the family, but his blood put me back in. Christ walked in. Thank God he showed up and he did what I couldn't do. He became my Boaz to my Ruth, a stranger, yet I found grace and he redeemed me. I've been redeemed. Far greater than the Red Sea, worse than Pharaoh, more difficult than Hagar, a slave. Jesus stepped in and took the condemnation off my life. Let me say so for a second. I've been redeemed from all iniquity. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from bondage. I've been redeemed from the penalty and power of sin. I've been redeemed from evil and trouble and distress and adversity and destruction and death. Redemption justified me and adopted me and accepted me. And now I'm God's purchased possession. I've been redeemed. If you're here today and have any hope for heaven, you'll not get there outside of the fact redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Number one, I've been redeemed. But number two, what about this? I am redeeming. I am redeeming. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Every moment I have now, I should live for the glory of God because he purchased my life. It was his life for mine, so it ought to be my life for him. Now, you have a decision on how you deposit your time. You can put it in salary or self or sports or success. You can put it in your spouse, whatever. Not, those things aren't necessarily sinful unless you do that before the Savior. Because your life is not yours. You've been bought with a price. We don't know how much time we have left, but I think we all agree we don't have a lot. We all have an appointment with death, and we also are uh, uh, anticipating the rapture. Both those things will be quickly approaching. And with whatever time we have left, we're going to use it to the glory of God. I am redeemed, but I ought to be redeeming the time. And then I'm going to get to the third point because that's really where I want to preach today and stop. I'll be redeemed. I've been redeemed. I am redeeming, that's progressive, but I'll be redeemed. 
One day there's a redemption coming. And it comes to us via the resurrection and the rapture. In spite of death and in spite of decay and in spite of decades of being buried in the dirt, there's a day coming when the soul that has been redeemed at salvation will receive a new redemption body at the resurrection. You see, that doesn't make sense to science. We're not talking science, we're talking God. Paul stood before Agrippa and he said, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Jesus said, He that believeth in me shall never die. I'll say it like this. God is simply in the resurrection business. God is in the business of making dead things live again. Jesus is the perfect example of that, for our Savior didn't stay dead. He came out of the grave on the third day. It's impossible. I understand that, but think about it like this. You know the illustration. The Bible uses it in 1 Corinthians, but growing up, we always had a garden, and we would sow seeds in the ground, and then we would bury that seed under a blanket of brown earth. You know, we'd just bury it down there, but that seed would germinate unseen to the eye. The sun would warm the earth. The water would saturate the soil, and in due season, that seed would come up through the ground, but it didn't come up the same body that was sown. It was far different. Can I say the same thing is going to happen in the life of the believer. It's impossible to science. It doesn't make sense to the skeptic. We can't really even comprehend it. But one day the same voice that called Lazarus up out of his tomb will cry out across this world and all the dead in Christ will rise and you and I that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. It's just as weird to us as a little acorn producing a mighty oak tree. But can I say God can do it and God's going to do it. I mean all those lost at sea, all those burned in the flames, all those devoured by beasts, those dead for generations and those with unsettled soil yet upon their grave are going to come out and be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and the fullness of our redemption will be realized on resurrection morning. So that means this, don't sorrow as though it's hopeless. And don't say goodbye like it's forever. And don't stare at the grave of your loved one like it's never going to open because one day redemption's coming. We live with eternal life pent up in a temporal body. But one of these days, it'll be paired with an eternal glorified body. Psalm 17, 15 said, As for me, I'll behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. We're waiting for this. Ephesians 1.14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Bible talks about Joseph, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy the body, this body yet my flesh, shall I see God. Take your Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians. Let's read a few verses. We've got enough time to read these quickly before we, we close. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we find this passage that talks about our glorified body. Now, I don't know when he's coming, but I know he is coming. And when he comes, I know this, my old body's treaded out for a new one. Look at what it says in verse number 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've been legally secured by adoption, but I'm waiting for the full enacting of that adoption on that resurrection day. Look what it says. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. 
It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. And to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised, this sounds pretty good, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Verse 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality then uh, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the hymn writer sweet hour prayer sit it right this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting lasting prize. And one of these days I will be redeemed. Right now I am redeemed by love. I thank God I've been saved by the blood of Christ. But the fullness of that redemption will be realized when the trump of God sounds and the clouds roll back like a scroll and the Lord descends with a shout and the dead in Christ rise. Thank God it's not goodbye at the grave. It's not forever at the funeral home. If they've died in the Lord, we'll see him again at the rapture and the resurrection. His appearing is glorious. His body is glorious. And our body will be glorified with him when we meet him in the air. A glorified body. Let me say so. That means a glorified body. No sin. It's been glorified. No cancer or disease. It's glorified. No hard of hearing. No dim eyesight. No weak limbs. No foggy mind. No wrinkles. No scars. No stain of sin. A new body made just like Jesus Christ. I think about it when Christ left the tomb. He left his grave clothes there. He didn't need them anymore. And when we leave this world... Everything that's affected our body because of sin will leave it all behind. No mark of death, no mark of decay on this body. This body is a body of death. I'm dying right now. As we breathe in it, we're, we're all headed to the same place. But that body is a body of life. This is a body of pain. But that body is going to be a body of peace. This is a body of corruption. That'll be a body of incorruption. This is a mortal body, but that's an immortal body. This body's fashioned like the first Adam, but that body's fashioned unto the second Adam. One of these days, if the rapture doesn't take, this body's gonna fall back to the dust. But thank God a new body's gonna rise up out of it. I thought about that especially in these days. We've had several people in the last three weeks from our church pass away. There'll be funerals this week, and there was one a couple weeks ago, you all did. When we look there at that unsettled soil, we ought not sorrow as them who have no hope. Because just like the farmer who's planting seed, we expect fruit to come forth. I remember preaching my grandparents' funerals on the hillside of a, in West Virginia at a graveyard. We went there and did the graveside service, and they're buried next to each other. 
And me and another preacher did, and that country preacher said, we're, we're planting them here in this garden of resurrection. He said, in God's due season, his roses will bloom. It's like country preacher talk. I'm glad I've been redeemed. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear the devil. Amen. I don't have to worry about hell. Been bought with a price. Now, I know we're quick to say so about a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that's fun to talk about, but there's nothing so so special or so important or so needed to hear in our day as your redemption. You have been redeemed. We got to be redeeming. And one of these days, we'll be redeemed. It's coming. If you're today and you're not sure you're saved, you need to be saved. Because here's the thing that we don't know is when death's going to come to you. We don't know. You might be living your last day on earth right now. You could die before you get to your car. I hope not, but you could. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you don't have that nailed down, you need to get it nailed down today. Hell is too hot and eternity is too long to just gamble with your soul. And if you've been redeemed, when's the last time you said so? When's the last time you told somebody about it? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.